You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I am Dagmar Klaus, and today with me I have Bradley Bills of Chant, which is an industrial drum project out of Austin, Texas. Hey, Bradley. Hey there, Um, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Tell us a little bit about Chant. Chant's a project that I started about eight years ago, and I would describe it as electronic industrial music with a massive tribal drum influence. Uh, We're based out of Austin, Texas, and right now we're currently on tour around the United States with KMFDM, which has been a really amazing experience. Right. That's actually how I I ran into you. I went to one of their shows, and I saw you guys as one of the opening acts, and I was blown away. So I'm really happy to have you here to talk to you with us today. Well, thanks. We're excited to be able to do the tour and our live show. I've added a live member, Christopher Robin, who uh, does live keys and double drumming with me. So if you mix a Broadway show like Stomp or Blue Man Group with like Nine Inch Nails or Nits Red, we're just throwing it all together, and it's a very high-energy volume show. Those first few shows where I met you in California were just great. The audiences were really great. Yeah, I had a really great time, and you're right. I mean, the audience was really high energy, and they really liked what they were seeing. Are you planning on keeping Christopher Robin as a second member? Definitely. Uh, He and I are old friends. He's based out of San Antonio, and I live in Austin. And so our bands, Chant and his band Guild, would play shows together. And I knew he was a really good drummer, mastermind behind a lot of our light show. Very talented individual, so he was a really good fit. And I think it really adds to the show, depending on what kind of shows we get in the future. You know, add more members, possibly, as long as it works and it keeps that unique flavor of being a drum-driven band. Yeah, that was definitely unique. I hadn't really seen something like that before. I've been to a handful of industrial shows, and that was definitely something different where the drums were really the showcase feature. Towards that, what I saw on stage was something that looks like like a giant mutant drum kit setup. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what it is that you bring on stage equipment-wise? You know, it's evolved over the years. We've got a traditional sit-down drum kit that kind of extends with extra floor toms that I used to stand up and sing and then uh, you know i like weird sounds and weird objects so over the years it's changed but right now we have five gallon metal paint cans and full 30 gallon trash cans and i've even got a satellite dish mounted there's this round disc satellite dish you get a lot of cool sounds out of it so rather than doing a lot of samples of sounds which i do for records we just thought it's fun to bring that along and play it live So it all stretches out almost in a half circle, and visually, you know, it does look very unique. Yeah, it does. This is your second week on KMFDM's I Love You Tour, and you guys have been playing every night in different cities, right? That's right. In different states. There has not been a day off, with the exception of uh, between Phoenix and San Antonio, which is a pretty hard drive, especially for a tour of this magnitude, to play those two cities back-to-back. That's the only day off. Last night was Pittsburgh, tonight is Chicago, and keep continuing back on the way to Seattle where the tour ends. We were originally only going to do half the tour, and after the California shows, Sasha actually asked us if we would be able to do the entire thing, and it's an opportunity we didn't want to pass up. I've always loved KMFDM. They're some of the founders and innovators of industrial music, and to be able to support them and getting in front of their audience, which we really respect, has just been really great. 
I love them as well. Um, I found out that you've, I'm not exactly sure if you just toured with them or you actually worked with them or you filled in with some of these bands. Lords of Acid, My Life with Thrill Kill Cult, KMFDM, Decrups. How have you been working with them? The way that my careers evolved with Chant is that I love to perform live. And since I started, I've done nonstop shows. Um, What happened in, in generally, Texas is a really big state. We're based out of Austin, Texas. And I would just almost always be asked to do local support on all the Texas dates as these bands would come through. Mm -hmm. And Thrill Kill Cult, those guys, you know, I found myself always opening up for them. That led to certain promoters who were linked in with Lords of Acid and came up to him asking me to do the same thing. So we did a tour with Lords of Acid in 2011. And I had played one show just locally in Austin supporting KMFDM to open up for him in 2009. So Sasha remembered me, knew who I was, and when they were looking for bands that they could possibly bring on the road, you know, my name was put in the hat, so to speak. Uh All that, I think, just came from years of persisting in life and also being real respectful when you're on the road. Uh Uh-huh. So, you know, why industrial music? Has that always been your genre of choice? And then also, I was curious, I've been to Austin a couple of times. I didn't know about the industrial scene there. So what does that look like and what's it like to play there versus playing that scene around the U.S.? Well, Austin's a great music city, obviously. It's got a national reputation, South by Southwest and all of the different music. There's some somewhere to play for every genre of music. The industrial scene in Austin, I would say, is rather small but dedicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, pe- the people that are involved with it are very, very dedicated. Al Jurgensen lived here for a while. The metal surfers were based out of there, and there's always been a good crowd that's interested in innovative and experimental type of music. And so for industrial, for me, that's kind of what where I come from, the early 90s, when industrial was just as dangerous and punk as punk. And <laughs> right. You're making music out of stuff that wasn't meant to be made, you know. Right. And seeing what would come about it. Uh-huh. I love all kinds of music, and I grew up playing in punk and metal bands, and I probably was turned on to industrial because of being a drummer and seeing all the double drums that Street did and Pig Face and the whole surfers did. That influenced me. And there's a West Coast band called Crash Worship that was just insane that legendary underground crazy shows that really influenced me early on i think for me to create music industrial music is a great genre because you can really take a bunch of experimental sounds and there's not as many boundaries with other genres of music so you can really have fun and as a writer i was drawn to that genre cool i did want to ask can you drum on pretty much anything that was a habit i had as a young boy i start beating on everything around the house and seeing what sound it would make and driving my older brother insane by doing it. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, one, one of the tracks on my latest record, Need, the drums aren't really drums. It's a washing machine that I sampled throughout the entire thing and layered them so it sounds like a kick and a snare and all that. That sounds like a lot of fun, especially for folks to be able to expand beyond just the traditional setup. Tell us about a couple of your songs. You just mentioned Need, and you have a video out there that has a lesbian BDSM scene going on in it. Do you want to tell us more about the concept? The concept of that, really, the song Need is about, well, it's about lust and desire, but I was fascinated by the compulsive 
behavior of serial killers and the need they feel they have. I met this underground filmmaker who does incredibly disturbing racy stuff, mm -hmm. which intrigued me, named VJ Greekfire in Austin. And he and I talked about doing a video, and I wanted to see how far I could push the limits. And we thought with that concept it would work really good together. But the trick for me is that on the surface, it can be, well, okay, you get two girls together and do something sexy, and that's what a lot of people do in their music videos. But I think we succeeded in taking it a step further and not just having that be what's on the surface. There's a lot underneath the meaning of the killer lures her in and creates dolls out of people, and we did a lot of art direction with it. It's a little disturbing. It's been interesting seeing the reaction when people watch it. It was fun to make, and it was a lot of work, but I think it's something that will make people feel some kind of trigger of emotion, which is something I like to do. The Revolt video we actually shot first. Revolt is about being yourself and revolting against society and what they expect of you or think you should do or how you should act is really what the theme of that song is. But then, you know, I really love the idea of democracy and real true revolution as well. I think it's a great thing that we have in the human spirit. We came up with a concept of some type of interrogation and refusing to sign a confession, just pushing it to the limit. Those are the videos out there. We've got a couple of records out there as well. Almost everything you can find on our YouTube channel. Do you want to tell us the names of the different albums? The first one I did was an album called That Which Divides. I recorded it actually with Martin Adkins of Pigface, recorded it in Chicago, and then Mark DeFore, who played drums for a long time for Skate Making Screw, finished the production on that with me. And then the latest one is Strong Words for Strong People. That came out a few years ago. A good friend of mine, Chris Telts, produced that with me. I think we came even closer to it sounding how I sound live. Mm -hmm. That's what Need and Revolt are off of. And then this year, what people can expect, we're going to be doing some recordings as soon as this tour ends. I've got a few songs that just didn't find a home on an album. We're going to record those, and I'm going to release them for free to all of our fans who are linked up to our Facebook page or our Reverb Nation page throughout the year. So there'll be some free music coming out this year as I'm working on the third album. Oh, that's totally awesome and very nice of you. I saw on your website that you were doing a contest where a fan could win one of your cymbals that had cracked. So it looks yeah. it looks really cool. What were you playing when it cracked, and then did it make a sound? When they start to crack, they start very slowly. There's a drummer trick that you can take a metal bit drill and drill into the crack so yeah. it cracks into the hole. Drill a very small hole, and it'll stop the crack for a little while. You try to save the cymbal, but once it cracks too much, the cymbal loses its resonance, it won't ring, mm. and it just starts sounding more and more like a scrap piece of metal than a cymbal. And that was my favorite cymbal that you saw, and that I must have got that when I was 20 years old, and I think it's been used to record, I don't know, a dozen albums of a dozen different bands and the chant records, and it just kept cracking, and I kept drilling holes in it and trying to stop it because I loved the sound of it. And it finally died, probably during the chant shows, and Finally, a chunk just came clear off. You get no hardly any sound out of it now. But that was a fun contest. And the irony of that was several people entered. And the guy that ended up winning it yeah. was a fan of one of my earlier bands. 
that I had played in a long, long time ago when I first got the symbol in the first place to record. So he had been following all my different projects for a long time, so it was really cool that he won it. That's awesome. He'll be getting that shipped to him as soon as we get off the tour. Well, that's definitely a testament to your work that you have a fan that's been with you for such a long time. After seeing your show, I looked you guys up and I found you on your Facebook page. So I've been following along on the tour, basically, with you guys as you post pictures. And I think that's a really intimate way for a fan to get involved with a band. How has social media helped with your exposure? I think it's a tool like anything else. And I think if you rely only on it, you probably won't get the results you want. But I think that it's a tool that is also a must-add. You need to be active on social media. And I'm happy to be able to stay in contact with everybody to the limit of my time. I write back everybody that writes me and try to stay in touch as much as I can. I think in the early days, it definitely made a difference because before Facebook became the predominant social media platform, it was MySpace. And I can't count how many independent shows outside of Texas I was able to book because I was able to get in touch with people who would book me through MySpace, whereas before then you had to mail them a press kit and try to call them and hope that they'd open up the piece of mail. And it's so much easier to get in touch with people. At the same time, everybody has it, so there's a lot of noise. Just create good art, be persistent, and really be kind to everybody and keep pushing forward to come out of that noise so people will notice what you do. And I think persistence is key because the idea that you're going to play one or two key shows and it's just going to blow up for you, I don't see that happening with any band. But my friend Kimberly from One Eye Tall works religiously with her fans and constant touring. And it's just not like a, a one-hit wonder kind of thing anymore. You've got to keep going. And then all of these pieces fall together that make these opportunities like the KMFTM tour happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if somebody can ask me, how'd you get the KMFTM tour? It's not an easy answer. It's, it's a seven-year answer of constant working that all the pieces fit together, the people knew I could do it. But it's social media ties into that in a big, big way. And what is your website? Should people want to get involved? If they want, people can go to www.chantproject.com. That's our official website. And that links to our YouTube page, our Twitter page, our Facebook page, and everything. And Facebook probably the second page that everybody tends to go to, and that's facebook.com slash project. Okay. Any plans to come back to California anytime soon? I would played there about three times before this tour, and Chris, my bandmate, lived there for a while, so we've got contacts there. We love that area, and yes, within the year, we're going to definitely try to make it back for another run of shows. That's wonderful. You'll have to let us know here at KUCI when you're coming back so we can let everyone know. Absolutely. Thank you very much for your time. This has been awesome.